Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trewood, along with John Paul Basham. Yo! We are super excited to be with our special guest of the day. Before we get into that, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of suspense here. Before we introduce our guest, if you have not taken a second to leave a rating and review, or to hit subscribe to the podcast. We sure would appreciate you doing that. It helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry related podcasting content. Okay, so uh, I think today's episode is really, really important because it's on a topic that we don't often talk about a whole lot in ministry, but I'm thankful that we are talking about it more and more. When I say we, I mean church circles in general. And it's the issue of soul care. It's the issue of taking care of yourself as a person so that you can not just be a better pastor, but to be a healthy individual and to be a healthy person who then is a pastor and is leading. Soul care aspect of of ministry is something that I neglected for a long time in ministry. And so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, And to help us do that is new friend, Adam Kuntz. Uh, Adam is a student pastor in at Liberty Christian Fellowship. And Adam, we understand that that is a brand new thing. But yes. Not not student pastoring, but at Liberty Christian. Right. Yeah. Just I have staff meeting tomorrow. It's my very first staff meeting there. So yeah, I'm very fresh there. <laughs> so. Yeah. First staff meeting coming up. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. So tell us more about, uh, just so the audience can get to know you a little bit, uh, give us sure. some ministry history. Know that uh, you've been at Living Stones, also Missouri area, so that's yeah. kind of where you've planted a little bit. So tell us more about you. Yeah, so I, I went to uh, Southwest Baptist University and got a degree in youth ministry from 2010 to 2012, and I graduated from college May 19th, 2012, and I started at Living Stones May 20th. And okay. I had been there, been there for eight years till uh, the last day of June. That was my last day at Living Stones, and so um, it was a great experience. Great church um, learned a ton there, and through the avenue of mistakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was a great experience. Had a, a leading to take this other position that was offered to me in Liberty, which is only thirty minutes away. And so thankful to still be close to friends and Liberty is actually where I grew up from. So I'm just going back home to a new church, new faces, new start. And so, yeah, I'm just excited to, to dive into that new season at, at Liberty Christian Fellowship. Yeah, that's great, man. I, before yeah. we jump into the, the soul care side of things, I wonder, transition is always a big topic, I think, mm-hmm. for, for student ministry people. Is there a couple things that kind of rose to the surface for you just in this moment of transition while it's fresh mm-hmm. and you've just done it that you would yeah. say hey here are a couple things i've learned that you can pass on yeah so this is my first my first time ever transitioning but something that i'm thankful that i did was that um, i called every parent and told them the news first and i, I did that on a tuesday and I shared with them my heart. I had been there eight years, so I had such a great relationship with the parents. And just kind of asked them, will you let me tell the students on Wednesday? 
so that we all can find out together so I can have a little bit of control of the narrative and just share my heart with the students. And so that kind of gave the parents a heads up on like, they all kind of know how their student is going to react to this because they know how their, their child handles hard news. And so yeah. I'm thankful I told the parents ahead of time and every single parent, I'm so thankful, kept their end of the bargain and hmm. no one found out sooner. We all kind of had that moment together. I shared with them on a Wednesday night after my message and, you know, just kind of, I, I gave the church a month to transition. So I told them right at the beginning of June. And uh, so I gave them a month and that kind of even allowed the students that they all process differently. You have some that just are instant reactors, some that are processors, some are shell shocked. And so it kind of gave us all time to process in our own way in our own timing. So transitioning, I would encourage people and I get like sometimes two weeks is, is necessary. But if you're leaving a good, a good healthy church, no, it's not a it wasn't a bad leave. It was, you know, it was time and the church recognized that and they were sad, but they were excited for for me. And so it was, you know, just giving us all the time to process that we need was I'm, I'm glad I allowed the time. I didn't just say, hey, I'm this is my last Wednesday. Peace out, guys. But just I'm, I'm here. I'm here to talk whenever it is that you need to do to process and handle this kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm here for you. And so, yeah, I'm thankful I did that on both ends with the parents and just allowing the time to first all to process the way that we need to. Yeah. And that Man. sounds like that was such a good, healthy approach to that. I love that you mm. called the parents to I mean, it, it just kind of shows your relationship and your respect for them as parents of students mm -hmm. um, to be able to be willing to call them first and not feel like you have to hold that so close to the vest. I think that was a great move. Yeah, um, thanks. On, on the flip side, you, you mentioned student pastors preaching their last Wednesday night message and then saying, I'm out. Man, yeah. I think those stories are hilarious. Oh like, man, I couldn't okay. imagine doing that. That that would have been awful. <laughs> I I just man, it was just I loved them so much, and I couldn't have imagined doing that. And I think like telling the parents first was kind of like, I they and same thing with the the kids. The parents all reacted differently. Some some were a blubbering mess, and some of them were just kind of like, man, we're we're sad, but we're excited. And, you know, there's, there's, they all kind of process differently. So I couldn't imagine like the kids going home and dropping a bomb on the parents. <laughs> Adam's gone. Adam's leaving now. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's just kind of like, I wanted to control that as much as possible. And so I'm thankful that my parents were awesome. They were, they were a very low drama group of parents. And so they, I had a great relationship with them. So um, it was, it was hard. That was a hard day to make all those phone calls, but it was, it was a good, I'm glad I did it. Man, I bet it was. I, John Paul, I, one of the stories that I know you're probably thinking of, and I, I will not say the name, and this was also not an eight year, like they had not been there eight years, but one of my favorite don't do it this ways was <laughs> preach to the message, given the announcements. It's, and I forget exactly what event it was, but it was basically like this. Yeah, we've got this event coming up next week. And then our lock-in is on this date. And my last Sunday's next week. <laughs> oh man and like that was it oh god most recently my favorite story is a guy that i preached camp for him a couple of summers ago so it's been actually not that recent but he had just left the church and he said he preached a message 
that the title was Breaking Up is Hard to Do, and it was the last message in a series on relationships. <laughs> and um, at the end, he just said, and by the way, I'm kind of breaking up with you, too. This is my last Wednesday. Oh, oh my gosh. And oh, he mercy. was gone on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's it. <laughs> I cannot. I mean, I don't even. Those teenagers were probably just wrecked, man. Like, <laughs> mm. Okay, wow. so we've given two, we've given a great how to do it story from Adam, and we've given a couple of examples of maybe a little bit more rocky ways to, yeah. to give that announcement. <laughs> but uh, into our topic for today, Adam, how would you define soul care? And how, how put some definition around that for what that means for you in your own approach to ministry in life? Oh man, um, I guess defining soul care for me would be just kind of asking a couple questions. And I don't know if I'm just beating around the bush of not defining it, but I think like what defines soul care for me is kind of in the same token of how I define Sabbath a little bit of just like, is this restful or is this worship? Mm. Soul care, and I was telling Nathan this before this started was soul care is just kind of one of those things that is just so uh, we know it's important. I think every student pastor, if you're sitting with them one-on-one would verbalize to you and I that yes, soul care is absolutely important. But yet, if you look at our calendar, if you look at the time spent on things, it's vastly neglected. And it's the same thing with water. You know, I know water is important. I know hydration is important to my health, but like, why am I not drinking more water? Well, I know, I know sleep is important. There's some great benefits to sleep, but why am I, why am I handling sleep and my hydration so carelessly? And I think we do the same thing with soul care. We know it's important, but yet we still think that like, we're just like, what? Like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. So I guess like for soul care though, I, I would probably define it as asking those two questions. Is it restful or is it worship in terms of my own well-being? I don't know if I answered your question at all with that. No. Man, I love that because that I think a lot of people would probably put, and, and I guess you maybe could make an argument for an, for an element of this. But I think a lot of people in ministry would put vacation into mm-hmm. that soul care category. Um, but I love that differentiator that it's not just getting away. It's not just right. breaking the rhythm of what you normally do, but it's yeah. actively seeking care Mm -hmm. for your soul which for us we know is worship it's time in the word it's time seeking the lord yeah and i think i think what you hit on john fall is is that well how many times do we take vacation in a year most people in terms of ministry you get uh, a week or two if you're some people get multiple weeks of vacation um that's it's kind of like that makes me sad if the only time that you really handle your soul is on your one week of vacation yeah, that's um, right. Man, that's, you're running on fumes. If I don't know how you're doing it, if that's the only time that you really handle your soul care, because you're assuming then that your vacation is absolutely going to be restful. And let's face it, some vacations aren't restful. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm exhausted. Why did we go on a tour every day of something? Like, why did we do that? <laughs> yeah, man, um, I think seeing it in terms of just the timing throughout the year, the way you laid it out, like, hey, if you're only looking at this on vacation and the days that you that you go away and take off, then that is mm-hmm. that's running on fumes most of the most of the year. Right. Um, did 
talk to me about what brought this up to the level of importance that it is for you because you're somebody yeah. um who you know has has been told to us and as we talked to you like this is something that you see as really important in your life and it's yeah. regular practice and that you work on it so what kind of laid the groundwork for that to be something that you said okay it's time for me to take this seriously yeah well it was just kind of one of those moments where you hit rock bottom and there was there was a neglect of my soul and I went through a really really tough season last year and uh came at a crossroads with things I, I'm, I don't mean to be vague. We could talk about my crossroad another time, but I just had such a tough season and I was in therapy, which I'm also very pro, pro counseling, pro therapy. Um, yeah. I went through some, intense, we are too around here, <laughs> man. I couldn't encourage someone enough to take the time and you know, like, well, it's expensive. Like, yes, but it's worth it. And so I, I came at a crossroad, just had, had a tough season in my own personal life and was in counseling, was even doing EMDR therapy, which if you're not familiar with that, it's a basically trauma-based therapy and was going through some intense counsel and something that my counselor really emphasized, and he's a, he's a Christian therapist and I, ha I have plenty to say about Christian therapists, but the thing that separated this guy from the others was that he didn't prance around hard topics with me. I think sometimes we can, I'm not knocking Christian counseling or Christian therapy. I obviously went to one, but I think you need to find a therapist that's a straight shooter too, and isn't afraid to address some hard, hard things in, in your life. And so this guy, I'm thankful that he was a straight shooter with me. And he even was telling me just future advice. If you're ever seeing another therapist and they're not talking to you about the importance of sleep and exercise and disciplines with your phone and technology, you need to find another therapist. Um, and so he even monitored my sleep. He, he made sure that I was addressing four areas and the areas that I had to address for my own self care was emotional wellness, spiritual wellness, physical wellness, I knew I would forget something just because I numbered it. Emotional, mental, mental wellness. And so those four areas, I really just laid an emphasis on. I really just going back to the, the basics, basically, of like, okay, well, what does it look like to be physically well? And so um, I did start exercising regularly. I became more disciplined in that, um, even just in having fruit easily accessible on my desk so I could eat well. And I could actually, I, it kind of goes without saying, I feel better when I eat better. <laughs> So, yeah. um, and even just having water by me all the time, just making sure I was hydrated. Um, he told me to, um, put my phone away two hours before I go to bed because that, that stimulator, that blue light, uh, affects my sleep. And so there was just little things that I was doing to just ensure that I was being the healthiest I could possibly be. And so there was, yeah, I guess it was just kind of a hard season that kind of made me address some of these things and became so important that I started putting these daily disciplines into my life to care for my soul. And so whenever you said like vacation soul care, like, man, there, this is a daily practice though. Like this has to be a daily thing that we address. And so, I mean, there was something I started implementing into my life pre-COVID was I used to call it slow roll Mondays where I would go to a, a breakfast joint and uh, have breakfast by myself and read and just drink coffee 
and just spend time with the Lord on a Monday. And I would purposely go into the office a little later than normal, just because I wanted that time to myself. Yeah. And so um, for my own well-being. And so I, you know, and I communicated that to my team too. Like I'm going to be a little later on Mondays, maybe show up at 10 a.m. instead of nine. And so I was just kind of allowing that time to not just open up my computer at 7 a.m. and just get cranking away on Monday, but that I can actually just start the unhurried. And so that was just kind of a bit, a big emphasis of mine was just to live an unhurried life. And so that was kind of like, I've noticed that about myself was that I was just trying to burn the candle at both ends until I just couldn't anymore. And uh, I listened to a guy speak at a conference and he talked about inhaling grace. I don't remember much about what he said, but I remember just being captivated by that kind of life where I would just sit and just be with the Lord. And I wanted that. And it was, I wanted it because I hadn't had it in a while. And so that was just kind of like, man, just studying the life of Jesus, you see that Jesus, Jesus wasn't hurried. And even being quick isn't bad. It's being hurried. Um, you, and you, you know the difference in your, in your soul. Like when you're being quick and just doing something fast, that's different than actually like being hurried. I don't, I don't like that feeling of, of in a hurry. You're kind of dependent upon everything around you going right. And we live in a fallen world. So that's just automatic setup for disappointment and frustration and unmet expectations. And so Man, I, I really like the phrase unhurried life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to dig into that a little bit because I think an unhurried life, like with the picture that comes into my mind um, is not a lazy, I'm just kind of floating through life. I'm just right. going to take things as they come. It can still be very purposeful, very organized, very aggressive may be the wrong word, but action oriented, mm-hmm. but not frantic, Yeah, not out of control. And mm-hmm. uh, I think there are a lot of times just because, I mean, man, you're, you're in the middle of transition and you've done student ministry for a long time. Student ministry, because of all the dynamics of parents and ball games and plays and drama and music recitals and all the extra activities, plus all the church stuff, it can become very frantic if we're yeah. not careful. And, yeah. and that, that kind of pace is what, uh, what burns the candle down mm-hmm. really quickly. And so I really appreciate the way that you framed this up as an unhurried type of life. Like I'm not going to allow all of these. I'm going to put practices and disciplines into my life to not allow the frantic parts of ministry to take over. Yeah, that I also book. like where that would intersect, though, because we're talking about is it just rest or is it worshipful? I think it's important to couple those because mm-hmm. I could I could see somebody going too far the other direction saying, well, listen, I don't I'm not I'm making a point to not be hurried, you know, so my sense <laughs> of urgency is just gone. You know, in, mm-hmm. in other words, I'm just kind of falling into a lazy rhythm of student ministry. But to couple that with, this isn't just rest. This is a pursuit of worship. This is a pursuit of a daily rhythm with the Lord. That of unhurriedness to say that I'm not going to rush and find myself in the frenzy and whirlwind of student ministry to the degree that I'm not seeking the Lord. That's when that's dangerous. But when you see somebody saying, I'm going to make sure that every day I'm walking at a slow enough pace that I see the Lord so that 
what I am intentional to do for him is empowered by him, you know, and what he calls me to do, I'm healthy enough to do in a way that glorifies him. That's when I feel like you really see the, the health in that come about. There's still a great intentionality and, and sense of urgency to seek the Lord in, in doing that ministry in the healthiest way. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like whenever you said that some people may fall far on the other spectrum of no urgency at all. And it's like we need to, as student pastors, just in, in ministry, and then this isn't just specific to ministry, but work hard when you're at work and then give yourself that finish line. And this has been really fuzzy with COVID season because we're, a lot of us are working from home, working remote on our laptops. Maybe we're dabbling in social media just a little bit more because of things. And we need to have that finish line in the day that knows like I'm done working now. So whether that's like you need to do the physical act of closing the laptop or uh, deleting your social media apps, like I'm, I'm a single guy. So it's like, I really found myself like, okay, I could work until I go to bed because there's always something to do. And I could be on social media even more now, but I'm not going to because that's, that's not beneficial for my own well-being. And so uh, we need to work hard when we're at work, but we also need to work hard at rest. And, you know, we yeah, saw that. Good played out in in scripture in Hebrews 4 like whenever the people were practicing Yom Kippur trying to show God the seriousness of their sin like they're trying to show God like how how uh, sorry they are for their sin but it's like God's like stop stop working you don't need to work anymore you're you're actually trampling over the blood of Christ like let you need to work hard at rest you will enter my rest if you stop working stop and and work hard at rest and yeah having that finish line in the in the work day allow you know i only have this much time for work i'm going to crank it out i'm going to work hard and then after that i'm going to cross the finish line and i'm done working and now i'm going to work hard at rest yeah that's good so what is that uh you mentioned the therapy side of things um what are some things that you would recommend to people uh practices to put in place student pastors uh, listen to this and like man like i need what they're talking about yeah um I would, I would use those two questions. Is it restful and is it worship for the rubric? Uh, there's some things for me that I consider restful and worship that others, but I would, on the physical side of things, I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that, but the importance of exercise to your own physical well-being and emotional and mental well-being is very, very great. I'm not saying you need to take up bodybuilding or anything like that, but even just the a physical activity, something physical as a discipline, water and hydration, uh, putting, put some emphasis on sleep care. Like I don't, I'm not bashing video games or anything like that, but I think a lot of us think that, Oh, I deserve this. I worked hard today. I, I get, I should get a little social media time. I should get a little Xbox time with the boys and stuff. And that's fine. But also the way I've, I've done that life before I've been there to where like my mind is stimulated and I can't actually like play a video game and turn it off and actually go to sleep immediately after I yeah. know that about myself. And so I would just say, handle your self care with care, act like sleep is important because it is act like hydration and your physical well being. I think it's all intertwined. It's not just like, I mean, just the fact that if you taking care of yourself physically is going to help your mental well-being and you're, uh, you're going to make better decisions and you're going to work harder 
if you actually sleep. Yeah. It's, it's baffling. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this isn't groundbreaking stuff, but it's like, man, sometimes we just need to go back to the basics of what it actually looks like to take, take care of myself. Yeah. Cause I know I'm going to be better if I actually sleep. Um, so I'm curious, is this something that you have launched into in the, in community with other people? Like it, how, how has community played a part in, in this journey for you? Yeah, I was interesting that you asked that. Um, during this tough season I was talking about, this crossroads, um, I enlisted some garden friends. And what those garden friends are for me, um, those are those people that you inform. I need you to keep praying with me. Like you need to either spiritually or physically wake them up and keep I need you guys to keep praying with me. And the example of that is Jesus in the garden uh, took his disciples and I need you to, I need you to stay awake and keep praying with me. And during this tough season, every day before I did anything, I would either sit on the side of my bed or I would sit in the parking lot of the church and I would text my garden friends. Here's what happened yesterday. Here's what I have today. And here's how you can pray for me. Mm. And that number started out at four, grew to six, eventually became eight, uh, dabbled over 10, Eventually, long story short, I had over 24 people I was texting every single day that I trusted with the ins and outs of my life. And I just said, mm -hmm. here's what I have today. Here's how you can keep praying for me. And it was like, whether they prayed for me or not, I don't know. But I, I put the ball in their court that like, you know how to pray for me specifically today to get me through today. And I need you to keep praying with me. And I love you guys. Yeah. And that was what I did every single day. And so... That way they then can follow up with me and said, Hey, how did yesterday go? How did, how did that thing at nine o'clock go today? And it was just kind of like, man, I would not be who I am today if it weren't for my garden friends. Um, I needed them so badly in my life. And there was just days where I knew that this was not, I knew they were praying for me because this was, things were happening and I was able to do things out of my own capacity because I knew that like I had people fighting for me and I knew yeah. I wasn't alone. So that camaraderie and just those people that were willing to spiritually go to battle with me were pivotal in my own self-care. So I would say, man, if you don't get yourself some garden friends, those and call them whatever you want to. If you if that wigs you out to have garden friends, I don't care what you call them. <laughs> I don't care, but it was like, man, I needed some garden friends in my life though. I, I know that. Yeah. I would also just like those people too. I, I learned from people that like in that season, it was so challenging to find someone in my life that actually practices Sabbath. And I did, I found a couple and it was a husband, wife, and they, they've been practicing Sabbath for over two years now and they haven't missed it. And it was due to a pastor who at one point put an emphasis again on his own self-care and actually went to a retreat site, kind of walked with them what it looks like to actually go through, actually have and implement a Sabbath. And so I'm actually, you know, excited to continue to learn about what it looks like to actually implement Sabbath. It's just, it's sad that it's one of those things that we, it's one of those 10 commandments that we're okay with breaking because mm. we applaud the accomplishment. We applaud the guy that's busy doing great things. And, but man, having that community, even the, and it's, it's not a large community, but those, those people in my life that I can learn from of what it looks like to implement Sabbath in 2020. Yeah. And uh, it's possible. And so there are days like on Thursday, Thursday and Friday, 
I'm preparing for Sabbath. I'm getting those things done out of the way that I would need to during Sabbath. And so Friday dinner to Saturday dinner is my Sabbath. So I'm actually going to bed Sabbathing on Friday night, implementing those things that I want to that fall under the category of is it restful or is it worship? So and what does so, that look like? What does Saturday look like? Saturday can look like there's no alarm. My social media apps automatically time out on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So those, those apps aren't even available to me. Uh, you can ignore the alerts like we all do whenever the screen time alert pops up. But this, the social media apps are already grayed out when I wake up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So there's no social media. But restful or worship to me looks like a day on the golf course. Um, just hanging out with friends, having friends over for dinner. I don't binge I don't binge watch on TV. I don't do that anyways, but I just, I just don't. I don't like sitting in front of a TV, but basically just doing those, reading outside. I love reading, just drinking coffee. It's just those things. Is it worship or is it, is it restful? And so, you know, hanging out with family, friends, those types of things, just what, whatever that falls under for you. That's, you know, some people like cleaning, but that's, that's not me. So dishes stay in the sink on from Friday night to Saturday night. Like, it's just those things you just, I'm not doing that today. It's my Sabbath. And sometimes, you know, I'm busy on, like I did, I moved this last weekend. And so I obviously did not, every fiber of my being hates moving. <laughs> and so <laughs> I have to adjust and my Sabbath has to be on another day this week, but it's going to yeah. happen though. And so I just have to adjust. So that implementation of Sabbath though has been a game changer. It's like, it's, it's, it's commanded guys. Like, why do we neglect this? Why is this so foreign? And it's sad that it is though. And you know, I'm not perfect at it by any stretch, but it is something I've been trying to uh, purposefully and intentionally implement into my life because whenever I do have family, that's something that I'm going to be, I'm going to be persistent in. Like I'm going to, I'm going to fight for this because this is important. And yeah. it's not just uh, because I want it to happen. Rest and we delight in the presence of God. And I'm going to do that. Yeah. I love it. And I, I think it's great too in the approach that you actually have to work in order to Sabbath. You have to prepare. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned yeah. taking Thursday and Friday and getting ready and kind of clearing the stage for you to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important thing to remember because I, I think we naturally drift into this idea that we can just wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'll rest today. And that's really not the case. You, you've got to... Yeah. You've got to clear the way and, and bulldoze, yeah. bulldoze a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It takes, it takes practice. It takes intentionality and it does take work, but that work knowing that I'm doing this work now because I'm preparing for Sabbath. Like this is, I'm allowing myself to rest and delight in, in what God's blessed me with. And yeah. I'm better when I Sabbath. Hmm. It's, it's a gift from God. It is an absolute gift. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great implementation. That's great, man. Well, Adam, man, I, I can't say enough how appreciative I am of, of the transparency and honesty and willingness to, to come on with us and have this really important conversation. I think student yeah. pastors will benefit from this greatly. Yeah. Well, thanks. It was a joy. I'm, I'm honored you guys would even have me on. So thank you. Absolutely, man. And uh, we wish you well in your first staff meeting tomorrow and in the new ministry that you're beginning there at Liberty. And, and man, all the best. And thank you again for taking time to pour into 
student pastors through this. Yeah, you're welcome. I love it. Hey, so today we spent a lot of time talking about soul care and how important it is for you as a ministry leader. And if that's something that uh, you're not familiar with or something that you would have said throughout this episode, and I need more of that in my life. I want to let you know about Youth Ministry Booster. You can find out more at youthministrybooster.com, but it is created to put you as a youth pastor in the spot to where you can take advantage of more soul care in your life. Every member of Youth Ministry Booster is put into a cohort style small group, several other youth pastors along with a coach. Those groups are called masterminds. And the idea behind that is to, yes, help you work together with other student pastors to solve problems, but more importantly than that, to put you with other youth pastors to find community and support when you need it most. So let's take soul care seriously. And one of the ways that we can help you find that is through Youth Ministry Booster at youthministrybooster.com. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We will see you next time.